You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Hello, and welcome to the next episode of The Elevator's Cut. I'm Roger Gaddis. And I'm Jason Wheeler. And today, we're going to talk about... Market noise. (laughs) (laughs) What is market noise? Well, I'll tell you where we got the topic from. Obviously, this is a big part of both of our lives, but uh, lately, our marketing department put out an e-book. You guys can go... Check it out, download it. It's pretty good. Uh, five ways your broker should be serving you, but likely isn't. Um, so, you know, inter- piques your interest. Uh, sure. We're not going to be covering all five today, but numero uno, that's uh, Spanish for, uh, for number our, uno. We This is an international podcast. So, uh, number one is cutting through the market noise. And so we wanted to drill down on that today roger and i of course being in this business for a little while know there's a lot of that out there it it's it's ever present and it probably has uh, always been ever present and it will always be ever present that's the nature of something being ever present and you know we like to fancy ourselves as cash market people that's what we are you know and the thing about noise when it comes to the futures brokerage industry is that it, it really has no place in folks that are dealing with cash markets. Heresy, I know, but it, it really doesn't. It, it, you know, futures, again, are just a tool that we need to get our job done as basis traders. Um, and most of the noise that's out there, futures noise, is put out by futures brokers. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. So back up for a second, Roger. I need to ask you a question. Are you ready to field field my questions? Let's do it. Good. What do you even mean when you say market noise? Market noise. How does that even do? Well, think of a nice, serene, pastoral, bucolic countryside setting. And the the tree leaves are rustling gently. the, The brook is babbling. And you're just walking through this field. And then... Out of the bushes pops a frickin' Tyrannosaurus Rex, and he's screaming his head off. That's market noise. Man, I was really relaxed there for a second, and then that that T Rex came out of exactly out of. And now you don't era. even know what to do other than change your pants and run. That's what market noise does. To I didn't you. know. I didn't know what year it was. That that was my problem. See, it's ever present. It doesn't matter. No, that's good. Yeah, this is this is something we run up against in uh in the in the agricultural sphere you know it's not for, you know specific to grain elevators it's it's everywhere and it's uh it's something that can cause you to lose your focus and people who are successful in wor- in this world especially today more than ever are able to tune out the noise as we're calling it that does not affect them. That is not mission critical. 
that doesn't help them focus on on their true goals. So the, the winners today that you see out there in life, um, no matter what the business, are the ones that are best at focusing on on their specific information that that is relevant. And there's could because so much of the information is completely irrelevant. Yes, you you got to separate out the vital few amongst the trivial many. And if if we look at a pie chart of everything we're, we're hearing in this business, in the cash markets and green merchandising business, 90% of it's probably noise. It's probably stuff that you can't act on. Not when it comes to your bottom line. You could act on it. You could go and trade stuff around if you wanted to. But as far as basis trading is concerned, there's not much out there that really is vital for you to get your job done. Same goes to producers on the farm level. Same thing. Most of the stuff out here, they can do nothing on. It's fun to talk about and hear about what's going on in other countries. But when you make that leap from information to, oh, I really should be doing something with this information. Uh, should you? I don't know. Uh, a lot of times it just creates a analysis paralysis in people. and It's kind of like the old story, the, the guy that had was paying like six different marketing advisors to give him information and and he still just did what he always did, which was sell at the low every year. <laughs> but at least he knew what everybody thought. Right. So what we see in agriculture is whether, I know we talk a lot specifically to grain elevators, but it, but like Roger's saying, it, it, uh, it affects everybody, is people who have futures accounts, to have a futures account, you have to deal with a broker. And, and there is a... There is a world that a broker deals with and their necessary tool. We all have to, you know, hedge our risk with futures or deal with a company that hedges their risk with futures who who has a relationship with a broker. And that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. I mean, we know there's, of course, the Internet, social media mm-hmm. and all that where where uh, this stuff gets shared about. But But a lot of that initiated, you know, for for years it has it has initiated there uh from the brokerage sphere and it's relevant to somebody right right it's relevant in the brokerage sphere you know you had floor traders they're trying to get information mm-hmm. or what whatever i mean i wasn't in that life or anything or i've never been so but but i i can see where it's relevant especially if somebody's a day trader trying to speculate and what's happening with this that and the other it, you know it's relevant to them however now, you had an office in the Kansas City Board of Trade Building, so you technically you were a I bit did. of a I was, trader yourself. I was, I was plugged in, <laughs> somewhat of a trader myself. <laughs> they say. No, um, but th- this stuff, you work with these brokers, and most brokers, um, I know we're not this way, but I think just about everyone else, they if you can and will trade futures, they don't care why. Or, or anything, or w- they're not really focused on a demographic. Their business is to trade futures. Mm-hmm. So if you're a grain elevator or a farmer dealing with them, that's great, and they want your business and, and, and all that, and, and I'm sure they have stuff relevant for you too. I'm not even saying that. But they have a lot of different types of clients, and they're trying to get information for those guys. And a lot of the speculative guys trade way more, and they like to tailor information for those guys. So um, what they'll do is send you 18 emails before lunch and most of them if not all of them will be completely irrelevant to you but they figure hey we made this stuff up let's send it to everybody mm-hmm. right more stuff 
the better, the more value people think they're, they are getting from us. Right. Right. So, so you get this a lot and, and like Jason said, it's got a place somewhere probably, or it wouldn't exist. I would hate the thought of someone is just being forced to write this stuff all day with no rhyme or reason. Um, but it's out there. <laughs> it's out there. And here's what happens. Here's what happens a lot of times is that if you're on the receiving end of this stuff from brokers, um, because they're a trusted source in your business, or hopefully they are, and you're getting this information. So whether you understand what's being given to you, you think it's got some value because they took the time to send it to you, right? And now what am I going to do with this? And some people get so uptight as a, as a, as a trader, as a basis trader about how do I do use this information? What do I do with this stuff? Well, if nothing else, I can pass it along to my farmers. And so you forward the emails or you print them off or the guy comes in and says, hey, why are beans up 30 cents today? Mm, which is a legitimate question. But how do you answer that? How do you address that? Do you just say, well, I got this chart that shows China, Brazil, real climate change. I don't know. Something happened. It went up. And that's usually where it ends. That doesn't, no one any good. The farmer can't use it. You can't use it. But the email got used, so I guess that's good. Right. But the thing is, you can't lead to action on this stuff. What do you do with this stuff? It just leads to more guesses and more speculation. For that part of the industry, that's hey, fine. We need speculators for uh, taking the risk we don't want. They're invaluable to our industry. Do we need that at the elevator level? No. And the truth is we feel like if we explain something that has already happened, somehow that will help us predict what will happen later. Yeah. I'm afraid that's uh, that's the logic. Nobody would say that out loud because it sounds silly, but that's kind of what happens. Well, it's a quote. It, you know, hindsight induces us to believe we understand the world because we understand what happened right. behind us. And that's not true. And it, it's just not true. And so you, everyone knows you can't predict the future uh, of the markets. And, and if you could, you wouldn't have to be in the business and you wouldn't, you definitely wouldn't share it with other people. And we all say this and ah, I'd be on an Island and somewhere and all that junk about, uh, you know, stuff we know, but if we know that, why are we sitting around talking about what might happen? Um, and why do we think some people seem to know better than some other people. That's the other thing that, that is crazy to me. I talk to people in the, in the elevator business or, or farming business or all sorts of ag, ag related businesses. Uh, and they say, Oh, so-and-so man, he really, he really knows the markets. You know, that's going to be big shoes because that guy knows, knows the markets. Ooh, man. Yeah. I mean, he's been in the markets for a long time. It's Do you know tenure. what that means? It's tenure. What does it mean, man? I'm just like, what is, can he predict the future? Does he have a crystal ball? No, it's just, when I've drilled down, I've had people say, well, I mean, if you've ever gone to his office, he's got like, you go in there, there's like screens all over the place. He's got all these things. What? So what does that mean? What does it, what does it do? Like he gets used to, Ooh, those numbers keep going up. I got a feeling. The reason Jason, that you don't understand the importance of having multiple screens on your desk is that you've never seen the matrix. If you'd watch that movie, you'll understand. It takes multiple screens to really make things out of numbers on a screen. <laughs> Is that how you... All I know about that movie is he, he does the limbo with bullets or something like that. 
That's just what I said. In other words. Okay. You just <laughs> took out those words, put new ones in, and it's the same. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> what, you, what say you, Randy? Okay, moving on. <laughs> Good talk. No, but you, but it's out there, and and uh, you know it's it's got limited utility for a basis trader. I don't think anyone can argue with that. Futures market noise has limited utility for the basis trader. I'd say no utility for a basis trader. There's your argument. No accounting for taste. <laughs> no, um, but it does do a lot to distract distract from, from the mission at hand, whether you're an elevator trying to trade basis or um, or a farmer trying to sell a profitable price. And what what it <clears throat> what it comes back to, I think, is when you when you deal in in a business like this, which I mean across the spectrum there aren't a lot of businesses like this where the price changes so much every single day, all the time. You know, it, it's, it's difficult. We don't, you can't belittle that. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's a human thing. We, we, you can complain about farmers, but it's, it's a very difficult situation to be in. It's just the human condition mostly. Um, and, but anyways, when you're, when you're in a business like that and you have to make a decision, you have to sell your grain at some time, right? And when the market moves up and down so much and so volatilely and frequently and daily, um, you are always going to be wrong. That's the problem mm -hmm. is dealing with the fact that, oh, no, if I do this, I'm there's going to be a time where I could go back and say I was wrong about it. I could have done better. Um, and that's the that's the thing that really, really makes it it proliferates the noise is like I've got to know more so I'm not going to be wrong when I do it but you're going to be you're going to be wrong and that's if wrong is defined as I didn't sell the top tick of the market you're going to be wrong mm -hmm. because probability wise it is impossible to do <clears throat> and especially to do consistently so the point is to sell profitable levels and move on and if the market gets better you're going to be farming for multiple years. It's more opportunity. Sure. And then if you look at the elevator level, the, the, the basis trader level, none of that stuff has any, any like you said, okay, I'll, I'll concede no utility. Now, I do think it's important to point out, you know, what at least our definition is of market noise and market information. Noise has got a lot of, you know, whether it's... Um, Hey, here's what stuff does build a case for why something's done, something here. And that's why I say the limited utility will go because, you know, when we're making decisions on pre-spread, say, we kind of want to know what history has done and we'll figure out, you know, cost to carry and carry out and that kind of stuff. But really, as far as opinion, then, where's it going to go to? I don't know. Put that back on the user and say, okay, here's some information. Use this to make your decision. Here's the information we say is all that's really relevant to this information. Here's what you got to work with. What do you need to do as opposed to well, you got this and you got this and you got this and you got this and this and this and this. Now I'm making it, you know, trying to distill down to what exactly the few key pieces out there that are that are, will help you make a decision on something. Basis charts, highly valuable. You know, sp spread tendencies, highly valued, seasonality of spreads, that kind of thing. Um, as the basis trader, but 
the bulk of what's out there is not what we were talking about. I mean, you right. go to, like we were talking on the, the episode about conferences, you go to some of these conferences and hear these speakers talk and, you know, black eye on us is a futures broker industry, but you hear some of these guys talk and they have 86 slides of tiny words and lots of charts and multicolored lines. And I know it's just, well, what and, is even going on? And they and say, how, do I, how can I use that in my business? I can't. I don't know when I can't. But hey, I, at least at least I've lived an hour of my life now that well, I might not have lived. And my favorite is a lot of times at these these conferences, these events, um, you'll get big name people uh, mm-hmm. in the farm advisory community or or what have you, brokerage community, and uh, they they are there because w- when a farmer comes into an elevator, goes. What do they like to ask? They like to, hey, what are the prices going to do? What do you think? Do you think we got some more run in this? You think you think mm-hmm. this is about the high? You think this is the low? What where are we at? What do you think I can get this year? All, all this stuff. They're asking you to predict the future, even though they know you can't. Um, that's why when we have these conferences, people pay these guys <laughs> big bucks to come in and uh, and make predictions, make wild predictions, and. Um, and it's interesting. <laughs> we all know the broker speak, right? You get up, you've all got, you go to mm-hmm. it and you say, all right, here's this guy. And so he says, hey, we, if trend line yields are blah, 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 and we get to this blah, 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 and this, and, and guess what, guys? It's, remember that supply and demand curve thing you, you drew on the second day of class in econ? It was the day after we learned about convergence. Correct. That, supply and demand and basically they say hey things are this way and if they continue these numbers happen and this is where we think uh you know prices should be and it's it's silly things it's like hey if the weather's really good this year we grow a big crop the prices are going to be lower and but you know if we do happen to see some uh poor weather and we don't grow as much of a crop. And, you know, it's it sounds silly, right? But if you really drill down to, they say it, it was just a lot of more flowery, fancy words and a lot of charts. But that's what they're saying, just simple stuff we all know. Because they don't, and even when they really seem to make a prediction, right? They come up there and they say, look, guys, this is the way it's, this is the supply and demand situation. And this is the only way it can go. And these are what the trend says should happen by July and blah, blah, blah. Cause we know what the crop is and on and on. And they, they go and they go and they get down to it and they, they, they say, Hey, this is where I think we're going. Um, and then they say, the only thing that could change this is that, <laughs> but if this happens and, but if we do this with trade and, but if, but if the, if the floods on the river and, but if this and, but that, and that's where that way they can come back when they get invited back the next year, people can come and say, Hey, you were wrong about this. They said, well, I said, if this, if other things happened, it wouldn't go that way. Nobody has to be held to their uh, predictions. Um, it's like weathermen. They're they're constantly yeah going back and forth a little bit. If you really drill down on it, it's a fan. It's trying to have a fancy, just like predicting prices and saying, oh, if we don't grow very much, we'll have higher prices. It, it's let's try to find a fancy way of saying, 
a basic statement. And maybe that's, I, I'm not even speaking to the quality of the statement they were trying to make underneath it, but it, there's a, there's a, there's some pressure in the, in the brokerage business oh, sure. to speak over people's heads a bit. People are intimidated by futures and options and especially by what they don't know. And there's some ego involved. If you're a co-op manager for 30 years over a, you know, 12 location place and you, you can't say that you don't understand what a call option is. You know, you, you can't say that you don't understand when somebody says, Hey, you got, you got to shed some length here. Um, you know, that's a way that that's another way of saying things that they do know probably, but, but there's some ego involved and brokers feel the need to talk over people's heads a little bit. And then, and it's a, it's a cycle of, Oh, well, I'm too embarrassed to say, I don't know. Or, I, this helps me trust this guy even more because listen to all this stuff. He says, I don't even understand. I need, need somebody like this in my life. I need him to explain to me the things he're, he's telling me. Yeah. Tell me the things that I probably don't know uh, <laughs> is what they'll say. <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, um, just, just for, just for transparency's sake, we are brokers. Absolutely. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, so, but we can all agree. It's, it, there's a bunch of noise out there and part of life is cutting through and finding what you really need to be focusing on. And so our proposition through the ebook, five ways your broker should be serving you most likely isn't is, you know, well, how about starting off with someone that's, that's not going to cause you to start sorting through noise. How about someone that just off the bat doesn't even have noise. Right. We pride ourselves on that. And, And what we mean by that is we, white commercial as an organization we strictly work with grain companies. That's it. And commercial grain companies who are trading basis. That's that's it. Uh, so every bit of information we put together and distribute is to people in that uh, in that discipline. So we we don't have those other types of accounts where we're, that we're trying to service. So mm-hmm. we just give the information to everybody. That's it. So all our information is that. So it's about what's going on basis wise cash markets and uh, spreads yeah buy basis sell basis spreads that's, that's pretty <laughs> well go. it you know and you get some information about the crop conditions and stuff but all that stuff's out there why are you paying someone for it it's all out there yeah right so really it is how do we some of it is legitimate information there's there's information and there's noise noise is opinions as Roger said and information is actual stuff like this is the projected carry out or this was the carry out or this is the yield number or what what have you this is a supply and demand situation now what are we don't just hey here's this because you can google that mm-hmm. it's okay now how does this apply to us and what's the x what are what's the pnw bid what's the sif bid what's herford how does that back up to different markets how's that going to affect you know do we is the processor market stronger right now than an export market mm-hmm. and so on? Just, just a lot of the feed markets and, and the information, on. you know, put out is, is geared more towards how that impacts, like you said, the three legs of the stool, buy base, sell basis spreads, as opposed to how does this information, which could be factual information. This is what Brazil corn is or whatever. How, you know, that's kind of geared towards price. How does that affect price? We don't really care how things affect price because prices have just a, part and parcel of what we do it's not the end right it's a means to an end so all right so i think that 
I think we've exhausted this topic uh, for the day. If we keep talking, then we're going to be noise. Yeah, you got to turn that noise down. We don't want to add to the noise. Anyways, we hope you uh, you gathered something from this. And if nothing else, I mean, again, we're pretty purist. We're simpletons about this stuff. I, I know we're not going to blow your mind with some new revelation at all the time, but hopefully you get a better grasp of our culture, how we look at things and why we look at things that way. And um, so anyways, we appreciate you listening in. We hope you enjoy our terrible dad jokes from time to time. And if you haven't already, please go and look up uh, five ways your broker should be serving you, but most likely isn't. Free ebook, download it, give it a read. We're going to be covering the other four points in some other episodes. And uh, let us know what you think about it. Good, bad, or indifferent. All right, so that'll do it for this episode. For Roger, I'm Jason. And for Jason, I'm Roger. We'll see you next time. Out. Out.